Hi and welcome to episode 13 of The Courageous Mama. Thank you for joining me here today. I want to give a shout out to you wherever you are. I now know that I have listeners in many different corners of the world and it feels like a huge privilege to be connecting with you all. I feel like I have new friends. So hi to you in Greece, Australia, New Zealand and America to name but a few and of course here at home in the UK. I want to thank you for the incredible support and encouragement that you've been giving me feeding back on the things that you found useful and the things that you've implemented into your own family lives. That's been a real boost to me. And thank you for joining me here today. Welcome. A number of years ago, we went to visit my husband's family in Greece. And during the trip, my eldest son lost one of his teeth. So he carefully guarded it in his hand, like all children do, waiting to put it under his pillow that night and hopefully in the morning, by magic, expecting to find a coin or two. We were sitting on the front porch at the time of his aunt's house in a little village where they live. My children don't speak Greek, which is a bit of an oversight, but there we go. And so everything was done by hand gestures. So one of the little old aunties wandered over and uh, she touched his hand and pointed to it, implying that she wanted him to open it and show her the tooth. So he gingerly opened his hand and she took the tooth and promptly hurled it up onto the roof. Little did we know, that's Greek tradition. I think it's then followed by a number of coins being hurled onto the roof and all sorts of paraphernalia, which I kind of forget at this stage. But I remember thinking at the time how incredibly strong traditions are. In fact, traditions form an essential part of who we are and who we belong to. So today I want to talk about belonging and the incredible importance of belonging and how we can engender a deeper sense of belonging in our families. And one of the ways to do that is to put traditions in family life, not just around Christmas and birthday, but some ideas that become part of your family culture that your children look back on and see sewn into the fabric of family life. So I'm going to give you some ideas at the end, some of them our own and some of them that have been fed back to me. And belonging is a great thing to think about when you're raising a family. The earlier you think about it, the more intentional that you can be. And traditions, of course, are part of belonging. It's so often the case when we become parents that we just sort of navigate our way as we go. The planning that we do do might be around kitting out the nursery or perhaps buying a house in the right area for the right school for our children. But there is so much more that we can do to invest and sow into the culture of our family for our children's well-being and emotional security that we can think about ahead of time. But even if you're quite a few years into family life, it's never too late to start thinking about this. Sometimes I find it helpful to think of the family culture as the soil that we're sowing into. I know that our children aren't plants or trees, but the analogy of growing a garden can be helpful when we think about growing a family. If you just leave it, you make no plans at all, things will grow. They will get ideas, they will get values, they will have experiences, but they won't necessarily be ones that you've thought through or been intentional about. Some will be great, some might not be so great. But if you put a bit of time into planning and thinking about what boundaries you want to put into family life, what hedges you want to put around your garden, you might say, and what you want to put in the soil to enrich it so that what you sow in there, what you sow into family life really flourishes. 
What do we want to put in that will enhance their experience of childhood? And one of the things that will build our children's self-esteem is to give them a strong sense of belonging. Does that sound crazy? Are you thinking, my goodness, if there's one thing I am sure about in family life, it's that my children belong in this family. Well, I don't doubt that for a second. I suspect when you brought your first child home from hospital, you might have had lots of questions. How often you feed, how often you change, what kind of sleep they need. But one thing you probably never questioned was, does this child belong in my family? That sense of togetherness was established right from the beginning. And so why, when I'm talking about parenting, do I talk about belonging? A child's sense of identity is deeply rooted in their sense of belonging. The stronger their sense of belonging, the stronger their security. And statistics would say that in this current time, their sense of security and identity has been assaulted more than any other time in history. Any school will tell you about the rise of issues in mental health. Look at the length of the NHS lists of children waiting to get into counselling. I'm not suggesting that your children are going to experience that, but what I am saying is let's be very intentional about belonging because belonging impacts identity and identity impacts self-esteem. Reinforcing a sense of belonging establishes it in the child's heart, soul, mind and sense of being. Let me give you an example. You can belong in a team and have no sense of belonging whatsoever at all. Maybe in your teen years you were picked for a team. It could be a netball team, it could be a rugby team, depending on what your inclination was. And let's say you joined that team because you were just the best and the teacher put you in it. But when they had banter, when they were mucking about in the changing rooms, when you had any sort of gathering or meal together or team time together, you just didn't feel that you really fitted in. Have you ever had that experience? Maybe you've had it in a group of people, maybe you've had it in a holiday setting, maybe you've had it in another setting, that sense of, I know I belong on paper, but relationally, I'm not really part of this. And so we know that belonging and having a sense of belonging are two different things. You can know you belong, but do you feel you belong? And I'm sure all of your children strongly feel that they belong in your families, but I'm talking about layering that up a little bit with some intentionality. So giving our children certain experiences through their childhood will strengthen their feeling that they're a significant member of your family. And those experiences deepen your children's roots in your family, which in turn strengthen your child's security and self-worth. All children will magnetise towards belonging somewhere. It's such an intrinsic human need, such a basic desire that they will seek it out. Some of your young children will already be part of groups and things that they go to. And we know that as they get older, they'll belong to groups. But they won't just be a club or a sport. They'll be friendship groups. And of course, we want that for them. We want them to go out in the world. We want them to make friends. We want them to be part of things. We want them to contribute to things. But I know from the families that I work with that sometimes those friendship groups can feel like a more important place of belonging than their own families. And on the face of it, that might not seem too serious, but they will take their values from the group they feel they most belong to. And as much as we might love our children's friendship groups, 
it's best that their values come from the people whose highest agenda is the child's best interests. That's you, the parent. So it's important to make our homes our child's primary belonging group, a place where they get the comfort and security of being a definite life member, no matter how they've behaved or what they've done. I don't know if you've ever looked at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but after food, shelter and warmth, belonging, significance and acceptance are our greatest human needs, not just in order to thrive, but in order to survive. So how do we create an extra sense of belonging in our families? Well, there'll be things that you do instinctively, but I'm talking about just what can we actually add to that intentionally? And there are a number of different things, but what I want to talk about today is traditions. Now, what I touched on at the beginning was our losing teeth tradition in England. And actually, that might be quite homogenous across um, many families in England, but look how different it was once you go a few thousand miles south. So when we look at traditions, it's really fascinating how much they bond people. If you bring to mind any organisation or group or even country that you think have a strong bond, you'll find within there they have some strong traditions. Some sporting clubs have their own songs, don't they? Some teams have their own songs. Most countries have their customs. Finland has an annual wife-carrying championship, integral to their country's culture. Even religions have practices for coming of age and marriage. Take something looser than that, skateboarders, for example. There's a certain style of clothing that they wear. Identity and tradition come in every place where people look to belong, look to be identified as being part of. And I'm sure we could have all sorts of conjecture about whether or not that goes too far in places, but its basic core is a sense of identity with that group. You've probably got some traditions around Christmas and birthday, and you might have some other things in the mix that you've already come up with. But I'm just going to get us creatively thinking today about what we can add to that or making that a regular occurrence in order that it becomes a tradition. I've spoken on this topic at parenting courses and conferences and so on, and I love listening to parents as they come up with creative ideas that works in their family culture. And what I particularly treasure is that they often feed back to me afterwards the things that they've then gone and put in place. So what I'm going to share with you today aren't just my ideas or the ideas that we've put into our family life, but they're from a whole host of ideas that people have fed back to me. And I think you'll love them. And also knowing that everything that you put in place will strengthen your children's sense of the us that you are, the us that your family is. Children's memories of traditions will go a bit like this. My mum always used to, my dad always used to, we always used to. If you look back at your own family life, I bet you've found yourself saying that from time to time. My mum always did, my dad always did, or we always used to. And these traditions, they can be big or small. And I'm going to talk about both today. And it doesn't matter whether there's loads of you in the family or whether there are two of you, you can still create traditions that enhance their sense of belonging. So I'm going to get stuck straight in and share some ideas with you, as I say, from people who have given them to me and also our own. So I'm going to start with one that I really love. There's a couple we know who write a letter for each of their children for their birthday every year. 
And in that letter, they happen to put things that they've noticed about the child that they love, things that they um, appreciate, things that they've achieved, anything that's happened in the year that they think is notable, whether that's tiny or big. And they're really affirming letters. And this particular couple do a line at a time. So the husband writes a line, the wife writes a line, the husband writes a line, and so on. And so this letter is just a myriad of joyous celebration of that particular child over that year. And I remember her saying to me that her son keeps all of his letters behind the clock in his bedroom. And she said they're dogged, they're ragged and worn because words really matter to him. I don't know if you listen to the podcast on love languages. I suspect this child's love language is words. But whether you love words as a primary love language or not, having these beautiful things said about you and them being authentic and real and totally unique to you is really affirming and he's obviously read them over and over again and she also said to me that when it comes to their birthdays um, her daughter she sees that the presents are on the table and she knows that it's the birthday and, and the cake and everything are going to be in the mix but what she cannot wait for is that letter and I love that. Imagine that you had a fistful of affirming letters that your parents had written you throughout your childhood. Wouldn't that warm your heart? I've shared that idea a number of times since I heard it and I've noticed that different parents have done it in different ways. In fact, one parent said to me, gosh, that's very intense and heavy, isn't it? And I said, yeah, but you can do it really lightly if you like. And they liked that idea and went off and decided just to put the funny and silly things into their letters. So if you like that idea, you can just make it completely your own. We have a tradition of show and tell in our family, which we do on a Friday night. And the children will bring something that they've made, something that they've done or an experience that they've had and they get to take the floor and they absolutely love it. It's a time when we all sit and we have a tradition of introducing that person and then that child gets to take the floor and they have five minutes or so to completely share what they want to share. And then they'll often pass the object round if it's something they've made or done or found or bought or it's a gift or so on. And then we don't get a chance to contribute unless we put our hand up. And oh my word, the power, (laughs) the empowering feeling of a child sort of scanning the floor and choosing, yes, I'll take your question. Yes, I'll take your question. And this goes on till all the questions are passed. And then that child introduces the next child. And this has been just a favourite part of Friday night for years and years. We've had stories that they tell, silly things that have happened to them. I remember when our eldest got to be a teenager, he was less inclined to be sharing sort of things that he's made. So he might share something from his exciting teenage world and his little siblings would sit there wide-eyed staring at him, lapping up the details of this big life to come. So that was show and tell and we do that and we have pizza every Friday night. I know that some people do family night and they're very creative and they do all sorts of games or they even make up games. And again, you can make it completely your own. But for us, we're all a bit pooped on a Friday. So we make a pizza, do show and tell and we watch a movie. But it's interesting how now that they're all adults and they've all come back. And as you might know from listening to the podcast, they're all living with us now. We picked up the last one on Monday who's joined us. And family night is something that they all so gear themselves towards at the end of the week. And they're so excited about it. In fact, we've even built a pizza oven in the garden. 
And you can do food on a smaller scale. I know some people have fed back to me things like, we have cake on Wednesday nights, we have pancakes on Saturday mornings. It's just taking something and repeating it on a day or a month or, or an annual basis that makes it feel part of your family life, part of their story, part of their history. I'm not assuming for a minute that you haven't got loads of ideas. I'm just prompting us to think about some more things that we can put into family life to engender that deep sense of belonging. One family shared with me that their dad would take one of the children out for breakfast once a month. And there were quite a few kids in that family and so their turn only came around twice a year and they would get to choose where to go and they would have breakfast with dad alone. And actually if you're in a big family, being singled out for loan time is really significant. And actually that's significant of course for small families too, but I think when you're more diluted it can feel even more enhanced. I have a friend, um, she was my neighbour actually, my childhood neighbour and still is one of my best friends. And on their birthday every year, the mum would go out in the garden early in the morning and whatever was seasonal in the garden she would pick. So flowers, wildflowers, roses, that might be ivy, as I say, depending on the time of year. And the chair at the end of the table, she would weave these flowers around. I mean, it looked absolutely beautiful. And that child would come down to breakfast with the rest of the family and they would sit in that chair, which was just covered in flowers. And I remember thinking it was absolutely stunning. Such a simple idea, but such a precious memory. Here's another idea, special time. If you've got more than one child, sometimes it can be hard to grab time with them, can't it? And the bedtime issue can sometimes dominate the earlier part of the evening. So this was an idea from one family. They kept their children up in turn for one evening a week for quarter of an hour extra. The daughter's a little bit older now and she shared with me. She said, I don't know what I loved more, the fact that I was up or the fact that everybody else had to go to bed. But I felt special and it was an evening that I really looked forward to. I got my mum all to myself, one to one. And that's one of those memories where they'll look back and go, my mum always let me stay up, dot, dot, dot. Another one is, for a number of years, we kept a special jar on the windowsill. It's like one of those old apothecary jars. And in that jar went things that we were hoping and praying for. And uh, they would write it on a scrap of paper and pop it in the jar. And at the end of the year, we would tip the jar onto the table and see how many of our hopes and dreams had come to pass. Actually, it was a really significant moment to feel gratitude. Gratitude has mental and physiological benefits, so that's a really good thing to encompass. But tipping it out at the end of the year and realising, oh my gosh, I'd forgotten I wanted that so badly, I got that, and that came my way, and that exam got passed, or that came to pass, or I got that item of clothing that I desperately wanted. It doesn't matter how trivial they are or how important they are. It's just a way of looking back and being grateful for the big things and the small things and celebrating all those things that you've forgotten were on the list in the first place. Speaking of gratitude, another family shared with me that at tea time every evening, they share one thing that they're grateful for from the day. And it really teaches you to be grateful for the small things as well as the big things. And it's also a time when everybody gets to share, a little bit like our show and tell, they get the floor for a few seconds and everybody else has to listen. And actually, practicing listening to each other in a family has real significance, as well as, of course, the memory and the tradition that you're building in sharing things that you're grateful for.
I know of a family who have a grandpa called Pop and they all lived within a relatively small proximity of each other. And every Saturday night when the children were young, there was Pop's spaghetti night. And this particular grandpa, he used to put sheets all over the sofas and chairs and have all of his grandchildren over and he'd make a great big pot of spaghetti. And as they got a little bit older and they started going out in the evenings, they come for Pop's spaghetti first and then they go off on their teenage jaunts. But it's a memory that they hold so dearly and I dare say they'll do it for their own children and it'll become a legacy, a tradition in their families. I have another friend who has a family bank holiday once a year. They don't tell the children when it's coming up and they base it on when everyone's a bit tired and really in need of a day off and her husband takes a day off work and they get them up in the morning and they say, stay in your pyjamas, it's the family bank holiday and they crack out the popcorn and they watch movies and they slouch around all day. I'm sure I won't be popular among schools for sharing that one, but hey. Once a year, we sleep outside in the open And it used to be on the trampoline. I remember one particular summer when we slept on the trampoline. It was all of us. And the littlest was a baby. And we had the dog up there as well. I don't suppose we slept brilliantly, but I remember it felt like such a big adventure. My husband isn't so keen on that. So he takes a little photograph of us and (laughs) pops it in the family memories. But it's a memory that we keep. And to this day, I sleep out with anyone who wants to. And I don't have many takers these days, but I do that once a year. Another silly tradition that we have, and again, it's not all about us, it's just throwing ideas in that you might want to enhance on and certainly improve on. But we have this song that we sing every time somebody gets a new pair of shoes. And it's really, really creative, this song. It goes like this. New shoes, new shoes, new shoes, new shoes. And it ends on like, new shoes. (laughs) And they still do it to this day when we buy a new pair of shoes, which is great fun, actually, because, as you know, we've still got an 11-year-old in the house and it would be a real shame if these things drifted off before he's finished with his childhood. And frankly, you're never too old for the new shoes song. I'm sure you'll have millions of creative ideas. There are probably some things that you do already But maybe there were some things that you did that were based around Christmas or birthdays. And I'd love to think that this podcast has helped you think outside of that box. Perhaps some things that would appeal to you as a family so that you can enhance your sense of belonging among your children. So hopefully it's got your creative juices flowing and you'll come up with some ideas of your own. I bet you'll come up with far more creative ideas than we have. For some families, I know it's been picnics in unusual places. I know of a family who find wild swimming spots to go to. Maybe you've got a secret family handshake, an annual round of crazy golf. Traditions, whether they're big or small, whether your family is big or small, they create a long and lasting sense of identity and they can carry on for generations. So just as a roundup, knowing that you belong and feeling that you belong are entirely different things. And the greater a sense of feeling of belonging that we can sow into the family, the more it sows into their sense of identity. Those traditions, that family culture that you're sowing in is that soil that I talked about at the beginning. It's the feeling in your family. You can't make it up. You can't buy it. You can only engender it. If you plant an oak tree in a windy place, 
its roots will go deeper and deeper in order to secure it in place so that when the high winds come along, it's safe. It's the same with children. If we bed them into secure places and we build things intentionally into our family structures, when the winds come along, when the disappointments with friendships, exams, the stresses, the anxieties, the falls and the fails, their roots will be strongly embedded in a place where they're securely loved and they know they belong. And that will strengthen them for the world out there. I hope you have fun creating some traditions. And over future podcasts, I have a few other ways of engendering that sense of belonging in your family life. I hope you've enjoyed listening today. If you have, pass it on to a friend. If you want to connect with me, I'm very easy to find. You can catch me on Instagram at thecourageousmama.com. You can catch me on email, madelinestanny at icloud.com. I love hearing back from you. See you next week.